welcome to the Better Man Sports Betting Podcast. I'm the host, Adam the Fade Grice, a betting professional, handicapper, and former sportsbook odds setter. On the Better Man Podcast, you can expect to hear obscure betting trends, the baddest beats we've found from the week, pros versus Joes, betting by numbers, bet percentages, and money percentages. On the Better Man Podcast, we want to give you the edge to be a better better. Before we start today's podcast, I'd like to do a quick shout out to our main sponsor, BetChimps.com, a place where you can go to get all your sports betting needs, news, information, as well as picks and packages. These guys have been around since 2013, are transparent and honest, and they are one of the leaders of the industry. That website again is BetChimps.com. Another shout out thanks here to our second sponsor, The Fade Productions. TheFadePro.com is a place where you can get all your photography and videography needs all in one place. They have great package deals, bundles, and Photoshop brushes. That website, again, is thefadepro.com. Welcome to The Fade's Coach's Corner, where we go over all the teams who lost, why they lost, and how they can improve in coming weeks. First team to feature here on Coach's Corner is going to be the New England Patriots with Mac Jones. Is he good enough? If NE stopped that big run, would they have won? Who knows? But the thing is here is Mac Jones has proven that he can be a capable quarterback here in the NFL. He was forced to pass the ball upwards of 30 times against the the, uh, the Colts this week. They stayed in it at 17-20 all the way to the very end until... Jonathan Taylor ran off that massive run to give them the big win by 10 points. Mac Jones would have actually had more touchdowns to his name if Jacoby Myers knew how to catch the ball. As has been a common theme with the Colts over the last few weeks, they've gotten very, very lucky with players making mistakes, dropping the ball, and a lot of missed tackles. When they go up against a solid enough side on the defensive side of the ball, I think they'll struggle. But the the Patriots here, you have Mac Jones showing the way. He's been very efficient when he's been given the chance to throw the ball. Yes, he made a bit of a bonehead mistake mistake with that red zone turnover but New England is trending in the right direction they don't have class players like they normally do year in year out but this time around you have Mac Jones he's doing well they have a decent enough run game once they get Damian Harris back because Ramondre Stevenson kind of turned into Comondre Stevenson this weekend he was sort of underperforming the New England front seven need to improve against the run this much is for sure because even though Jonathan Taylor ended up with 170 on that game. Before that, he was already at 110, and he'd just been chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And the left-hand side, actually, of the defensive front from the New England Patriots has been rather weak against the run. Wherever Judon is not, the opposing team tends to flex their will when it comes to running the ball. So if New England really want to win the Super Bowl this year with the team they have, they really need to improve the left-hand side of that run defense because it is extremely weak. It's the part that gives up the most runs per game. If you look at Jonathan Taylor's statistics specifically in that game he got majority of his running yards going through left tackle and left tackle left guard so if the New England Patriots want to actually have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl this year that part of their defense needs to improve yes they can get turnovers in the passing game but Judon's not going to get in the face of the quarterback every down so they need to be able to rely on that left hand side of their front seven to close down the run because once you can funnel an opponent's offense it becomes a bit easier but the Patriots still are a quality side and can they bounce back from this 
this against the Bills this, this coming week. We'll have to wait and see. Mac Jones is a capable quarterback here. The, the question's been answered. People didn't really want to say it. They didn't want to give him the credit that he's due. But he proved this week against the Colts that he's capable enough to be a ball passer here in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers here are a team in absolute freefall. There's not really much of an answer you can get for this side. The offense stinks. The defense is probably the biggest highlight of it. No Christian McCaffrey basically for the whole season with his multiple injuries means that there's not really much of a running game. Tuba Hubbard isn't a starting NFL quality running back. I've said this before. I don't really like what I've seen from him. I was big on him this year when he got his chance and then he went and spurned me in multiple fantasy leagues. So I don't really rate him at this point. Cam Newton's been a disaster since they signed him. He had a couple of good games here and there, but using him as a running back at quarterback when you can't really throw the ball doesn't help your team when they aren't making that much through the air. Seeing Robbie Anderson get a couple of sneaky runs out of the backfield was a very smart move by Matt Rule. I'd like to see a bit more of that going forward because it's, it keeps opposing defenses honest. Uh, looking at the defense, they're still, after get up, they're still able to get after the quarterback here, which is a big plus, but the offense is just a real blight for this team. It is just horrible. There is no creativity. It lacks any semblance of continuity or cohesion. The offensive line isn't substantially better than any other offensive line in the NFL. They aren't really giving the lanes for the running game either. But Cam Newton is probably the biggest weak spot. PJ Walker is unfortunately showing himself to not be an NFL caliber quarterback here in the NFL, which is rather disappointing because I was kind of pulling for him to have a good good run of it with his XFL start. It's not come to fruition. DJ Moore is a little bit banged up now, so that's going to narrow down the offense in the coming weeks for the Panthers, even though the season is basically at a loss now. What they should do really now is just chuck out all the young guys and see what they've got for next year so they know where they need to go in free agency in the draft. It's clear in the draft and in free agency they need to attack the quarterback position because Sam Darnold, even when he's healthy, isn't the answer. Despite having a really good start to the season when he had Christian McCaffrey under centre behind him, it didn't pan out the way they wanted because unfortunately Christian McCaffrey as good as he is, the injuries are just starting to add up here and it's costing the Panthers season after season because everything's planned around him and when he goes down, you see what's happening. Matt Rule can't organize this offense to be good enough in the NFL to do something without Christian McCaffrey. It's a big negative for this team. They can't do anything positive going forward. It's a bit of a bit of a shambolic season for the Panthers here, and the best thing they've got on, on offer is they're going to probably end up with a top 15 pick. With that top 15 pick, do they go quarterback? Maybe not, because there's going to be a few options they could probably try to attack. Maybe the Raiders do cut Derek Carr. Whether he does live up to his, his uh, statement of saying he'll retire if the Raiders don't sign him or they try to trade him, we'll have to wait and see. But there's going to be a couple of other good options too, I believe, that even trying at this point to try and trade for Ty Hundley would be a good point. He's been a nice big splash in the pan there for the Ravens. We'll have to wait and see if that kind of performance is something consistent. But he's a much better option right now than Cam Newton is. We're looking at the other parts of this team. I mean, the tight end position, Tommy Tremble needs to get a bit more action. He's actually a quality tight end. They just haven't really utilized him that well. Roby Anderson, when he actually gets the ball thrown to him, has shown that he's a quality wide receiver. He can beat one-on-one coverage. He's he's better than Brian, Brian Edwards is for, for the Raiders, who's absolutely shambolic against one-on-one coverage. But the, the, the Panthers are really in a, a bit of a free fall here, and there's not much they can do to turn around this season. Just bite the bullet. Probably best to lose 
lose out here and try and get that higher pick so you can try and find something to fix the problems you have or at least trade back to bank a few more picks. There's nothing that can help the Panthers here. They might be able to spoil a team down the stretch. That's probably the only bright spot they might have on the season. But apart from that, there's, there's not really much you can do to help them till the end of the season. Where do you want to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Man, this team is terrible. They got rid of Urban Meyer, who was an absolute disaster from day one. The arrogance of that man oozed out more than melted cheese in a sayo cracker. He's absolutely dismantled this team that was once kind of putting up a bit of a show on defense. They're starting to come good. Trevor Lawrence not performing to the level expected also hasn't helped out this franchise. James Robinson finally got to pound the rock this week and he showed why he should be the lead back. Uh, I don't think Daryl Beryl is the person to stay at the head of this team either. I think the reports coming out that Byron Leftwich is going to be the head coach next season is an actual positive for this team. He's familiar with the franchise after being drafted by them and I think it's a good fit there. But the, this team, its offensive line is just atrocious. We saw this week with the Texans getting pure penetration. Then we saw last week the Titans who were able to use a four-man front and nailed every single person on that offensive line to the floor and then sacked Trevor Lawrence. It is a bad offensive line and it needs to be fixed. There's not really a lot to like about this team. They have a few, maybe you could say, bright spots. I don't think Marvin Jones is going to be there next season after his run-in with the franchise. I think that possibly Travis Eddian coming back is probably going to help our uh, quarterback incumbent there, Trevor Lawrence, who's definitely going to be there the next season. I think having a young, fresh-minded head offensive coordinator like Byron Leftwich coming in at the head coaching position is a positive. I think they should definitely go in this direction. But like I said, they've got a high draft pick. They'll probably fail out the rest of the season, get that number one, and who knows what they're going to do with it. They're not going to be drafting a quarterback, and there's not going to be too many trade partners because the draft drafting quality for quarterbacks this class is pretty low. If you're wanting offensive line or defensive players, then this is the one for it. And I'd say that the Jags probably do need some defensive pieces, but nowhere near as much as they need an offensive lineman because that line is terrible. The Chargers showed what you can do if you want to fix a line. They went out this offseason specifically and fixed that off that, that offensive line, and it's paid off dividends. Now, can the Jags do the same thing? It's not a desirable place for a player to go. They're going to have to overpay for people because of how bad the franchise is. So we'll just have to wait and see on that front. But this season's a loss. Lose it out. Take that first overall pick and just be done with it. Wash your hands and come in fresh next season. You can put a fork in the, the Jags here. This, this team's done. Arizona still has a really good defense. The problem is their quarterback isn't at 100% and they were caught with their pants down this week against the Lions. I think they went in exuding the arrogance of a team that thinks that we're just going to win by turning up. That's why they got their pants pulled down by the Lions. Now the Lions played exceptionally well. Well, and Amon Ra St. Brown is proving himself to be a franchise receiver there for the Lions. However, I don't think Kyler Murray is actually at 100% and they have a really tough matchup this week against the Colts. I do believe they're going to be able to control Jonathan Taylor somewhat, which is going to force Carson Wentz to pass. So are the Cards a team that are likely to bounce back here? Yes, of course they are. They have a decent side. Some are saying that the House of Cards are falling. They've had a couple of shock losses, but again this is the Kyler Murray that isn't 100%. We saw this last season where he starts off so well, then he takes a big knock and he gets hurt then after that he comes back and he's not his normal self I think that's what we're seeing here I think that we want to see Kyler back at his, his best potential because when he does the cards are an exciting side to watch James Connor is also not 100% you've got to remember this he's leading the NFL in touchdowns by a running back so when you put these things together injuries to two 
core components for their scoring potential, as well as DeAndre Hopkins being out for the rest of the season. The Colts are going to be a tough question as well this week for the Cards. I think that they have the potential to bounce back here. It's only a mini slump. I think the defense will be able to get the better of the Colts in this coming matchup. And you have a team that is just absolutely chomping at the bit to get back in that win column. They really need to get the win to try and continue to hold on to this number one spot in their division because their division is really heating up with the 49ers and the Rams picking up wins and it's just a really tough spot if they keep losing. I think they they will probably find the win this week as an upset. Kyler Murray is getting back to where he was. You could see that he was still hampered in his movements in this game. Same with James Conner. James Conner wasn't 100% either and Edmonds was also coming back from injury so he wasn't running 100% either behind center. I'm not giving excuses here to the cards. They played terribly. They deserve to lose. When you come into a game expecting to win in the NFL, you will lose 100% of the time because as the old saying goes, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. You want to talk about dismal franchises in the NFL right now? One of them is the New York Jets. Now that is an extremely sad side. They have one of the historically worst defenses in NFL history since the Super Bowl era started. We'll break that down here with the Super Bowl era having featured 703 different defenses that have hit the gridiron. The Jets defense ranks 695th amongst those numbers. Now that's pretty sad when your head coach is defensive minded they do have a lot of problems coming through the offense they also do have a lot of problems on defense the whole team as a roster is pretty gross Zach Wilson may or may not be the future of this franchise who knows he has spots where you can see he's got talent and then the rest of the time it's just like 60% you just scratch your head at what he does now what can the Jets do to get better Obviously, they've got to nail the offseason because they've got a lot of holes to fill. The defense is absolutely deplorable. They need corners. They need safeties. They need pressure linemen. They need linebackers. They need edge defenders. It's a mess. What do you think they need on offense? They've got a decent enough or serviceable wide receiver in Corey Davis. The problem with Corey Davis, as the Titans experienced, is that he has trouble staying on the field due to injuries, which is a sad thing because when he's on the field, he's actually really good in the run game, and he's also really good at you know as a, as a passing catcher. Now you've got question marks at the tight end position too with injuries across the board the offensive line isn't spectacular Michael Carter's probably about the only bright spot with that said that's not a very big bright spot this team is already eliminated from the playoff picture there's not really much you can say to help turn this franchise as is apart from saying they've got to nail the offseason but every team has to do that they will have to overpay to convince players to come to this team because it's just that shambolic it's really nothing trending upwards for this team they have just so many negatives it's hard to point a stick at what one you could turn around the quickest. Probably the quickest one with a defensive minor coach you would think would be defense. If he doesn't get it right this offseason, he'd probably get shown the door after two seasons. That's the New York way. If you don't produce instantly, you generally get fired. It is one of the main markets for the NFL, and having both New York-based teams suck right now is probably bad for the bottom line, which means the NFL isn't going to be too happy with that. But yeah, there's, the Jets are just a right mess, and I feel sorry for the fan base that they've had to endure this for so long, but it doesn't look like it's going to be getting better anytime, any soon. Now we move on to the very next franchise here in New York, and we look at the Danny Dimes era in New York. Is it over with him now being out for the season? Who knows? But now you're going to be seeing a bit more of Jake from, I believe. I think they want to see if they actually have somebody who'll be serviceable, serviceable for a season here and patches in if they don't want to take a quarterback this draft. They have a very high draft pick, naturally, because they're garbage. They have Saquon Barkley, who's repetitively injured at the moment, which isn't good, considering he is an elite running back in the NFL. 
David Gettleman, most likely out at the end of the season. There is talks of internal promotion, which means that nothing will actually change with the Giants because it's another Gettleman-type person they're talking about replacing him with. I think that's a bad decision. They really need to look outward instead of inward because they've gone inward most of the time for the Giants, and it's not worked out well. Now, with that said, this franchise is just not doing well. The only positive they have is that they're the second... They're they're actually the best team based in New York. And when both of the New York-based teams are that terrible, it's not really a good thing. But it is where we are right now. So we're looking at Danny Dimes next season. Is he going to be there next... Is he going to be the starting quarterback next season? We'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure if they will. If they want to go with a full clean slate, then they might actually take a quarterback high in the draft. I don't think that's a good idea because there's not really much to like about this draft class for quarterbacks. I think they're better off going with defensive pieces because their defense, if it can get a bit more bulkier, it will be better. They do have the time now, though, to see what they do have in their backup quarterbacks. We know that Mike Glennon is most likely not going to be there next season unless the Giants front office just really want a band-aid solution back there. I think Fromm's going to be the number two, if not the number one, if they keep Danny Dimes. It's it's just a really, really poor team right now. They're not, as I said, they're not the worst one in New York. That's the Jets. They do have a few better pieces on defense. Their offense also has some key pieces on the offensive line. I think Evan Engram's probably gone as well. They'll probably need to look at tight end at some point. I think the Giants probably have a better chance at reaping people in from free agency because they have a bit more cap space than the Jets do. I think also that the Giants will probably need to overpay as well because of how bad the situation there is in New York right now. Will they keep some of the veterans they have on defense too is the next question mark. Players like Logan Ryan, is he going to stay there? Are they going to keep a Dory Jackson after signing him this offseason because he was that poor this season and also injury riddled? It's hard to tell. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed here with the Giants and we can't cover it all in a quick two-minute coach's corner coach's corner burnout here but the Giants were terrible this weekend and the loss they got showed how bad they are as a franchise there's not really much light moving forward they have a lot of things they need to change in order to become competitive next season so we'll have to wait and see what they do next season but this season you can stick a fork in them now we move into one that hits a little bit too close to home we have the Tennessee Titans here who against the Steelers did everything they possibly could to lose this game now at the start of the season I said that letting Dennis Kelly go and putting David Quesenberry in his spot at right tackle was a massive mistake. That's been proven as a right statement. This weekend, David Quesenberry gave up four quarterback pressures and two sacks. It was to TJ Watt, and TJ Watt does that to pretty much everybody. But after a very, I'd say, okay start to the season, David Quesenberry has been an absolute blight on this offensive line for now going on eight weeks. He's had so many, he's given up 11 sacks. He's the most, he's the worst actual rated offensive tackle in the NFL at giving up sacks. He's third worst at giving up pressures. I said we should never have gotten rid of Dennis Kelly, and we should have kept him. We would have had a much better offensive line here, and it's just really hard to see a part where you would want to take an offensive tackle like David Quesenberry moving forward. The Titans need to get rid of him. As much as it sounds like a horrible thing to do in this draft, they need to look at getting a proper right tackle. Not paying Jack Conklin was probably also a bit of a mistake. Dennis Kelly emerged last season, but then they didn't want to pay him either. And now they're left with David Quesenberry. David Quesenberry could be a decent enough guard, even a backup guard, but he's not a starting right tackle in the NFL. He's just, his footwork is terrible. His hands are terrible. He's always got his hands 
hands in the wrong spot trying to stop a rusher. He's just not good. And the fact that we have Ryan Tannehill sitting as the quarterback with the fourth least amount of time to pass the ball in the NFL at 2.53 seconds a drop back, it's just a recipe for disaster. Now, it was once said that you could get a recipe with bad ingredients and you could cook that perfectly, but if the ingredients still are bad, then you could cook the perfect meal and it still be disgusting. That's what you have with the Titans right now. They have a lot of good pieces in this recipe. Unfortunately, a few of them are missing right now, and it's at the worst time of the season to not be at full strength. But with the great tasting defense, you have the extremely bitter and disgusting offense right now and the chef for that and the person who's going to shoulder all the blame for me right now is offensive coordinator Todd Downing. Todd Downing is probably the least adaptive offensive coordinator in the NFL right now. He has a quarterback that is consistently under pressure and he does nothing to move him out of the pocket besides an odd RPO play here for him to run off every now and then. And I'm not saying you should do something like that every down, but you need to be moving this quarterback around outside of the pocket that's just deteriorating almost instantly after the snap. In order to keep these offensive these defensive lines honest, they can't just push through more through a weak offensive line and then go after the quarterback. You need to move him around. Ryan Tannehill throws perfectly on the run. When the Titans have been playing with over 32% a game play action play calling, they have only one loss against their name this season. Every other time they've called games under 35%, 35% play actions, they've lost. Now that is a damning statistic considering though that over the last, even in the last game against the Steelers, the play action play calling was less than 12%. The second half, I don't know what what the ideology was. The Titans should have just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, and ran the ball a bit more. Foreman was having his way with that Steelers defense. And yes, I get you need to spell him every now and then so he doesn't get too worn out. But Dontrell Hilliard and Jerry McNichols aren't the same type of back that Foreman is. Foreman is that bruising kind of Henry clone that is needed for this offense to work. And it's Still, for the life of me, can't understand why on the five-yard line, Foreman was taken out. Then they run McNichols, who fell short, and they pass the ball to Hilliard, who dropped it. And then they tried to pass the ball to Julio Jones again, who also dropped it when it was thrown in his bread basket in the end zone. Now, it's very head-scratching why you wouldn't run Foreman at that part of the field when he is your big back that's going to break through. And he's shown on that fourth down where he pushed and carried three defensive players over him to get that first down. That is the type of big physical back you need in the red zone to score. Why Todd Downing just absolutely says, get off my field to Foreman every time it gets to the red zone, I don't know. This this guy's an offensive coordinator to me, just looks like a lost cause. He was a lost cause for, for the Raiders when he came in and took over that team that was a top five offense. The very next season, they became the 28th ranked offense under his control, and he was rightly fired. I don't know why this man got another opportunity in the NFL. I said at the start of the season that Towning was the worst possible option they could have gone with at this spot, and he still is. He is. It's there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. This man does not adapt to what's in front of him. He doesn't adapt to his personnel. He doesn't adapt to the fact that he has a mobile quarterback that he can use to get out of the pocket to give his quarterback a bit more time to actually attack what's in front of him, despite not having his key personnel there in the passing game. The absolute fault of everything going on with the Titans' offense right now lies on Todd Downing's shoulders and his inability to adapt to what's on the field in front of him. When an offensive coordinator doesn't adapt to what he has for personnel, then the offense can't function properly. Right now you have a ship that doesn't have a captain and the steering wheel doesn't work when it comes to this offense. Todd Downing at the end of this season, regardless of what the Titans do, if they make the playoffs, if they bundy themselves out of it, the man needs to be fired. He's just an absolute disgrace to the position. He doesn't adapt to anything. 
He doesn't use his personnel right. His whole game plan for the entire season was wrapped around Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry went down and what happened? The Titans offense went from being an offense that scored 25 to 30 points a game all the way down to a team that scores what the last three games you had less than 20 points per game. And even though the defense is doing everything they can to make this offense win, the offense is just not being adaptive enough to what's on the field because the offensive coordinator doesn't know what he's doing. And until that changes, this team is going to continue to lose. They have a tough matchup again on Thursday night football against the 49ers who are a dynamic offense. If the Titans somehow manage to eke this win out, then they will have the playoffs pretty much sewn up. But Todd Downing needs to be dynamic himself in this match if the Titans want to win. Yes, he's missing personnel, but that can't be his only excuse. Turnovers happen to every team, and some teams are able to come back from those negative occurrences to win the football game. The game planning and the coordination from the offensive mastermind of Todd Downing just isn't good enough in the NFL, and it needs to change regardless of what the Titans do this season. The next team on deck here is the Denver Broncos, and the Denver Broncos are actually a side that has a lot of positives about them. Their running back duo of Melvin Gordon and Javonta Williams is absolutely outstanding. They've managed to secure the services of both Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton for the next few years with new contracts. They've got Noah Fant, who's an absolute beast at tight end, even though he's being underplanned at the moment because they don't trust their quarterback situation, and they have a defense that can shut down anybody. Now, we're talking about a team that in the offseason will probably be looking to get somebody behind center that isn't named Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. The Teddy Bridgewater concussion this week was a bit of a bit of a bad one for them because it also looked pretty bad for Bridgewater. Uh, but talking about the Broncos, they have everything in place to be a contender. The only thing they're missing here is a cornerstone at quarterback. Now, if you're going to look into the draft for that, I probably wouldn't. As I said before previously, it's a very weak class for quarterbacks. To be honest, as somebody who's done drafting reports and scouting reports previously, there's not, not really a quarterback that stands out to me that I'd want to use a first round draft pick on here. I think anybody in the first round needs work. They can't be a day one starter and that's not what the Denver Broncos need. They need a day one starter to not waste this this window they have right now with such a shutdown defense and quality offensive pieces. If you're looking for somebody, they might be involved in a Russell Wilson trade or maybe even Derek Carr. Derek Carr would very much enjoy a change of scenery because his fan base absolutely hates him for some reason, even though he's their leading quarterback in just about every statistic, except for Super Bowl wins, of course. But you're talking about the Broncos here and the Broncos have have an amazing side here from defense to offense. The only thing missing is a quarterback, and if they can get a quarterback under center here, they can be a real contender next season. And that would probably be their best course of action because I wouldn't say put a fork in this season. They're still competitive. The loss to the Bengals really hurt, and the lack of a true quarterback really was on display in this game. Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater won't be the starting quarterback for this team next season. I think they'll be very involved in the Russell Wilson conversations. There might even be a chance that there could be another quarterback surprise that goes on the market. They could even take a blindside at Deshaun Watson. Who knows? They have a lot of opportunities here to move forward and try to get some key, try and get a key piece under center, which is missing. The second they do that, they're going to be an ultra competitive side and they'll be winning games like no man's business. Now, do they have a tough run to the end of season? Of course they do, but it's not like they can't win some of these games. They could be a fringe team at the end of the season. I don't think they'll make the playoffs just because of how bad the quarterback position is, but that running back duo, and if they can get a true quarterback under center they'll be a real deadly side in the next season now i have a lot of friends who are actual atlanta falcons fans i feel sorry for them really because this team is missing so many pieces to be competitive when it comes to the the offensive line it's probably not the worst one in the nfl but it's really not that good matt ryan is probably at the tail end of his career and not having a 
offensive line that gives him enough time to read the field and react really is a big negative. Cordell Patterson's finally found his home. Art Smith, despite all the knocks on him, he is a great coach at bringing out the best in running backs. Scratch Mike Davis because he's not a running back. He's just a piece on a roster. I said that Mike Davis would be a bad signing at the running back position for the Falcons, but when you look at their salary cap, that's probably about all they could afford. Now, Patterson's been a huge bright spot. Russell Gage as well is starting to emerge as the next big target there for the Falcons as well as Kyle Pitts there at tight end. I'm not sure if Calvin Ridley will return. Mental health is a big issue and for him I hope he gets over it soon. Um, But you've got to look at the pieces that they have. The offensive line is dreadful. Maybe they go that way in the draft. Keep Matt Ryan for another year and hope to cut him when his cap hit gets lower next season. That's probably also not a great idea because he'll probably still leave about 18 to 20 million in dead money unless he retires. If he does that then that saves the team. But there's just too many directions that this team could go. They don't really need a running back. They don't really need a tight end or a receiver they're fine with what they got there in the first round if you're looking for something in the first round then they might need to go somewhere along the defensive front they they, they're not one of the best teams at getting after the quarterback so getting maybe big bodied nose tackle in the early parts of the draft because there's not a great deal of quality nose tackles in this draft class it's probably well advised to do something like that but with that said they probably won't go quarterback either because i don't think matt ryan's the type of quarterback that wants to groom the person that comes in after him i think he's got too much pride for something like that but the Falcons they have a really rough run to the end of the season their defense is lacking they probably don't really have a quality high-end safety they've probably got AJ Terrell who's looked good in parts got a he's been really rough over the last few weeks but I think if he gets his head back he'll be fine they might want to get a pairing corner to go with him they probably need some pairing outside linebackers I think maybe you could say Grady Jarrett is a decent enough defensive lineman. Time will tell there. I'm not 100% sold on him. But the Falcons have a lot of pieces that need a rework, and I think this offseason's probably not going to be enough to do it. Will that put Art Smith's job in trouble? I don't think so, because the ownership at the Falcons tends to give the three to four grace period of years to a new head coach, and I think he'll get that respect too as he's proven to be able to turn a few, I'd say, not so great pieces into decent pieces this season. I think they'll keep Cordarrelle Patterson again. I think he's going to be a main feature moving forward. And I think Russell Gage is actually going to come into his own next season. So they have a lot of good pieces on offense. I think they'll probably focus heavily on defense this offseason. I'm not sure if they'll draft an offensive lineman, but offensive line is a very big problem for them right now. And I think they need to focus more solely on that when it comes to the draft, because this draft actually has quality linemen that are going to be their deep all the way through to the seventh round if you ask me you just got to find the right one that fits your style of offense and with art smith being somebody who loves to pound the rock i think he's going to look for a big heavy run mauling offensive offensive lineman maybe an offensive tackle probably not guard and that'll be how the uh, falcons start to improve their offense but you can stick a fork in this season their season's done they're not making the playoffs Cordero patterson's their mvp so far for me for that team kyle pitts coming in a close second aj taylor probably third but i think Moving forward, they have a lot of good pieces. They just need to rework the offensive line and get some decent individual skill positions on the defensive side of the ball in the near future. Now, while they may have lost this week, the Ravens' 30-31 to defeat by the Packers, they could actually take a lot of positives out of it. They've got a really great backup quarterback there in Tyler Hunley. They've got a really decent, responsive defense when the pressure's on. They're good at stopping the run. They might not be fantastic against the pass at the moment, but that's what happens when you lose basically every starting defensive back to an injury for the season. Now, you're looking at the offensive line. The offensive line is doing their job perfectly. They're a great mobile unit that helps a scrambling quarterback get outside the pocket. They are finding ways to 
to move the ball with the running back situation they have right now. Devonta Freeman's actually proving that he can be that guy that he was once upon a time with the Falcons. The Ravens can't be too disappointed with how they're going right now, even though they've lost two games back-to-back with the decision to go for two at the end of the game. I'm not going to hang that on, on Coach Harbour. That was, if I was him and I was in his shoes, I would have gone for two against the, the Packers as well because you just had that defense on the field for so long on that drive. They were gassed. You had all the momentum in the world after forging a big comeback, and you would have thought that they might have just had that little bit of momentum to get it in there and get that two to steal the win. Unfortunately, a fingertip nipped the ball and it just put it that little bit out of range. It's what happens. It's football. You've got a lot of pride on that field. You've got a bunch of big alpha males that just want to win, and I can understand the decision from John Harbo there. I think I would have done exactly the same thing in his shoes because you could see how gassed that defense was, and he had the advantage going into that two-point attempt. Unfortunately, it didn't play out the way he had in his head, but those are the breaks. It's professional sport. Sometimes you take a risk, sometimes it doesn't pay off. If it had paid off, people would have been, you know, heralding him as the next mastermind of football. It's just how it is. People love to hate on people when they make a decision that impacts the final result. He went for the two, it failed. Bad luck. He went for it. That's the main thing. I would have done exactly the same thing in his shoes because he had every edge going into that final play. Unfortunately, it just didn't play out the way he expected. But the Ravens, you can't really say anything negative about them. Their star quarterback will be coming back maybe next week or the week after. They're still in the hunt for a playoff spot. The AFC North is a really tough division right now with everybody winning. The Bengals are on top. Shock and awe. The Ravens, though, they do have the pieces to try and upset and usurp that spot from the Bengals. Will they do it? I'm not so sure because the Bengals have a really good passing attack and the lack of defensive backs for the Ravens right now is a big negative, but there's not much you can say bad about the Ravens. They've got a lot of key pieces and once those pieces come back next year, they're going to be competitive all over again. So the Ravens don't stick a fork in them just yet. They've got a chance here. It's not very often you see the Bucks feature on the coach's corner here, but they managed to pick up a donut this week when they lost 9-0 to the Saints. I don't know what it is about the Saints that they have this massive hold over Tom Brady. He just sucks against them. It doesn't matter how you put it. I think as a starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he has a 1-4 record against them, I believe. Don't quote me on that. It's something close to that. He's only beaten them once. I know that much. And not only that, the Bucks pulled up after this game with some pretty significant injuries. They've lost Godwin for the season, I believe torn ACL. I first heard it as only a sprain, but it's being reported now as a torn ACL, which means his season will be over. Mike Evans has a hamstring injury. Leonard Fournette is on IR. He's out for the remainder of the season. That means that they're going to be recalling Antonio Brown to start after a long layoff. They're going to be relying on basically Gronk and AB, which is only two of Tom Brady's trusted safety blankets. We all know he's a player of trust. And if he doesn't have his trusted targets on the field, he tends to put up a performance like what we saw uh, this this week past. Now, all those people with tall poppy syndrome will be celebrating that loss for the Bucks because everybody hates to love people at the top of the uh, top of the list when it comes to skill and technique and quality of play. So there's going to be a lot of people that will be just reveling in that loss. But for me, I think it's... We're starting to see a bit more of the real Tom Brady here. There's a bit more emotion on the field. There's a bit more accountability that he's holding on players. It's not as easy as it was in his past division where he had the Dolphins that were terrible. He had the Bills that were going through coaches like rotten underpants. And then you had the Jets who were who were a mess his whole career there and they still are a mess so he was gifted a decent division for so long and now he's actually got a competitive one people are starting to see a bit more of that raw emotion from the greatest quarterback of all time now do we need to be worried about this team moving forward with these injuries I'd say there's probably a little bit of concern that you need to ha- need to be had because the depth we've seen before isn't the greatest at the wide receiver position here but Ronald Jones is a more than capable running back and they did the smart thing by warming him into the contests and giving him more reps as the season has worn 
gone on. They have signed uh, Le'Veon Bell. He will be on the practice squad, I believe, this week, and he might even get game time on the weekend. But expect Ronald Jones to be that lead back there this weekend, and I think they have a good shot to right the ship here. You can't really write them off just because of a couple of injuries. They have got a quarterback that's just proven throughout his career to get it done no matter what's what's on the field with him. And they probably do need something on defense because that defense is just so porous if they don't have the weapons on offense to keep up then I fear that that could be an issue but again this team will find a way to win that's just what they do now the Browns being here isn't really all that fair they had the chance to win the game with their third string quarterback starting and a lot of outs due to COVID they managed to pull off a two-point loss to the Raiders the Raiders should have won this game by a hell of a lot more but that defense is just so good from the Browns, especially Miles Garrett. He's just a freak of nature. They were able to keep this game closer than it should have been. And the Raiders, I don't know what they were doing. There was some really horrible fumbles and turnovers from this team. And the Browns ended up losing this one. Now, it is unfortunate that Garrett was taken out for a few downs, which led to a bit of a resurgent effort from the Raiders. But there's not really much negatives you can say about this team. I mean, Baker Mayfield, he needs to improve his decision-making on field. I think this week of rest for him would actually do him well. It'll help him recover from all the torn labrums and the shoulder problems and the back problems and the knee problems he's been saying he's been playing through. Hopefully the two weeks now that he's had off will help him recover and we can see a proper Baker Mayfield out there on the field for this team. They are still in the hunt, which is a huge positive for this side. They are lacking any real talent at receiver at the moment. They have the deep shot in Donovan Peoples-Jones. They have Jarvis Landry, who's kind of being used as a running and wide receiver, or running back and wide receiver. They still have Nick Chubb behind center. Kareem Hunt's out for another couple of weeks but Dearness Johnson's a very fine backup to have they have a very good stable of runners that team does Baker Mayfield will probably look to hit David and Yoku a little bit more coming off the tight end position Austin Hooper will be back too from his COVID stay now the fact that the Browns were able to keep this game so competitive this week when they were missing so many key pieces on offense and some on defense it's just incredible they should really be pat on the back they they actually to me they deserve to win this game they were but they were the better side the Raiders just bottled it time and time again but they came up clutch when they needed to come up clutch in this low scoring defensive stoush now is there anything negative you can say about the Browns yeah there is there's a couple of pieces that they probably want to look at getting better at that's the wide receiver position most notably they'll probably be wanting to look looking to get better on the offensive line as well but apart from that it's not really a great deal of negatives to this side they just need to put everything together at once on the field and they they can play good football they just need Baker Mayfield to make right decisions and they win. The division that they're in is highly competitive, but once Baker Mayfield sorts himself out, he gets healthy and he starts making the right decisions again, this team can be dangerous come playoff time. The Justin Fields-led Chicago Bears managed to lose the game against the Vikings 9-17. They did get slapped with a lot of COVID issues coming into the game in the last couple of hours which was a bit unfortunate for them. Justin Fields had a very good game in this one. I mean you can't really say anything too overly negative about the kid. He came in and did some special stuff. Unfortunately he was lacking those key pieces to help him push everything over the line. I mean you can't really be too negative to him when he had what it was 35 rushing yards 285 passing yards a passing touchdown. Unfortunately the the fumbling issue is there again. He had two fumbles and one of which was lost in a key 
moment in the game. The score was still competitive at 17-9. Unfortunately for the Bears, their offense is just really not cohesive at the moment. I mean, Darnell Mooney is a bright spot. I'm not so sure about Alan Robinson next season. He's probably out. Cole Kmet is coming into his own. They have a really solid offensive line, and they have a really good duo running back with Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. The defense is also lights out, even though they were using sort of like a mid-level skeleton crew for this contest. You did see a lot of uh, prime time Kirk Cousins keeping the Bears in this one. The Bears, they, they have a lot of pieces that they can be happy about. I'm not sold on Matt Nagy coming back next season. I think that the Bears are going to stick true to their 110-year history of not firing a coach in season, and Nagy will be there till the very end. I'm not sure if Ryan Pace will be the GM come next season. I think they might want a clean house. They really need to attack a few positions this offseason. I mean, their defense is rock solid, but they can always do with an extra corner. I think they're probably going to focus more on the offensive side of the ball this offseason and try to pick up a couple of pieces on the interior of the offensive line as well as something at wide receiver if Alan Robinson does indeed leave. But we are talking about a rather competitive side in a really tough division. Now, if you take the Bears out of the NFC North and you put them in a division like, say, the AFC South right now, they're probably going to be leading that division. I mean, they're better than they're better than the Jags, they're better than the Texans. They're probably, at this point, with the health problems of the Titans, they're probably a better side than the Titans because at least the Bears' offense knows how to move the ball. And you have a rather competitive matchup with them and the Colts because they both have standout defenses. Now, the Bears, they have a really tough schedule to round out the season as well. I think you can stick a fork in him. Their playoff hopes are already done. We're going to see a bit more creativity, I feel, from Justin Fields because this Matt Nagy is going to want to show, hey, look, this is my guy. I can show you what I can do with him. I want to keep my job next season. So I think you might see a little bit more extra creativity coming from the offensive side of the ball. The defense will be the defense for the Bears because it's rock solid. Now, do I think that this team is probably going to stick with what they have at head coach next season? Most likely not. I think in the offseason, Matt Nagy is going to be given his walking papers regardless of if he wins 50 to, 50 to 0 next week or 50 to 0 the week after. It's just not a good situation and he's been one of the prolifically worst head coaches in the NFL at being a home favourite or a road favourite in the history of NFL of the NFL it's just he's been terrible straight up terrible you don't want to keep somebody like that I think the Bears if they want to be competitive again they need to find a good smart defensive head coach and give somebody who has been running the show who's there a defensive coordinator just leave him there in place because Justin Fields obviously has a good rapport with him it took him a bit to get into the NFL and warm up to his play style but you're seeing a side here that can be competitive and they just need a true head coach to pull them over the line the Seattle Seahawks picked up a loss today. I was a bit dumbfounded by how poor the play calling and situational decision making was for the Seahawks in this game. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't look at his best or at his healthiest again, so I'm not sure how that finger of his is actually going. It's a shame that it was on his throwing hand because the team was actually ultra competitive before this injury occurred. DK Metcalf is also struggling to find form again. It was a nice touchdown run by DJ Dallas, I can give him that much, but when you're against the Rams, you've got to bring your A game because this team is just absolutely dominant on both sides of the ball, especially when you have a freak of nature like Cooper Cup in the passing game. With all the outs for the Rams, it was inevitable, uh, sorry, not for the Rams, but for the Seahawks on defense, it was inevitable that the Rams would find their way through the air at some point, which they did in the second half. I mean, the first half was 
3-3, I believe, at halftime. And then after that, it blew out in the favour of the Rams, who were initially down 10-3. And then the Rams came back with a 10-0 or 17-0 score run, scoring run, and that changed the frequency of this game to be in the favour of the Rams. Now, when you're looking at the Seahawks, I'd say you can put a fork in him this season. I think it's the last time we see Russell Wilson in a Seahawks jersey. I think he's done there. He wants out. This team is just in total disarray, especially when the ownership of the franchise doesn't care that much about football. It's really sad to see, but I just don't see where this team's going to be able to turn the corner that fast. I think the best thing they can do is try to bundle Russell Wilson off for a bunch of picks to try and get some competitive assets because there's not really much you can like on offense here at the moment. I mean, Rashad Penny is a decent running back. I'm not sure if he was just a one-hit wonder from last week because this week he was kind of not existent. The Seahawks are also lacking picks after that Jamal Adams terror trade that they gave Pete Carroll the authority to approve. It was a disgraceful trade. They set themselves back if they can't trade things away to get assets for it. Will they put DK Metcalf up for sale after this season? It's possible. They need picks, but this isn't really a great draft class. I think if they get rid of Russell Wilson, they're basically going to be a shell next season. I think they might need to bite the bullet and just have a real tank of a season next 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 season so they can actually get a good quarterback under center after Russ is gone because I think this offseason you're going to see a change in Seattle it's just a franchise that's nose diving hard right now and they really need some pieces to rebuild this side do they need to get rid of Pete Carroll possibly but it's not like the franchises the Jacksonville Jaguars or anything they've actually got some decent defensive components will they move everything I don't think it's going to be a complete fire sale but I'd say some things disappear this offseason but for this season you can stick a nice big fork in the Seahawks it's done now last but not least here on the coaches corner we're going to be featuring the Washington football team now they had a nice little quick start against the Eagles who were ice cold after being off the field for almost what 15 16 days due to the postponement to start the game the Eagles went down quick 10-0 but they replied rather fast with a 10-0 of their own in the second quarter Jake Elliott had a pretty decent game kicking the football but Jalen Hurts ran two touchdowns in which proved to be the difference Miles Sanders also had himself a really rock solid game it is unfortunate that the Washington football team were affected so heavily by the COVID outbreak, which is definitely unfortunate. But with that said, they were missing key pieces on that interior uh, interior defensive line, which helped get Miles Sanders out to 131 rushing yards on 18 carries. He had also two receptions for 15 yards. So I think the Eagles are now starting to know who their feature back is. And moving forward, I think they're going to be using Miles Sanders a lot more. Now, Jalen Hurts has been absolutely electric running the ball this weekend against the Washington football team. He broke Mike Vick's record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a season for a franchise. That's a pretty big feather in the cap for the young the young quarterback there. Do the Eagles have a good division for them to try and sneak back into the playoffs? Of course they do. They have the Cowboys who are prone to capitulations at this time of the season. I'd say that you can probably put a fork in the Washington football team now because after this loss to the Eagles, they're slowly starting to slide out of the playoff picture. Now, you can't really hang too much over the head of the football team here because of all the COVID issues that they had. They 
they were missing some key pieces. They weren't able to field a 100% side. And if they had of, it might have been a bit more of a competitive contest. They might have been able to roll with it after that fast start. But unfortunately, they weren't able to. And this is ultimately what saw their demise in this game and overall in the season because they've been very good at getting out to a fast lead. They've just been very bad at holding that lead. And if they're able to fix up those issues on the back end, like getting more mobile at the linebacker position, I know that Montez Sweat is out. Also, Chase Young, when they lost these two key pieces to injury, it made it a lot more difficult to stop mobile quarterbacks and fast running backs. You could see that with Miles Sanders, who pretty much just had his way with them this week or last night. It's tough to want to hang anything on the football team here. They've been a rather decent side all year. Taylor Heineke's been somewhat of a surprise. He can play good football. He was not active in this game, unfortunately, for the Washington football team, which was almost a winnable contest, you could say. They were in it early on and unfortunately fell fell apart at the end of the game. The first quarter was all all Washington. They dominated the game. But the, blo- the man that they pulled up off the street, Garrett Gilbert, who had a bit of familiarity with the offensive play calling, he didn't do terrible. He came in and he had 21 of 31 for 194 yards passing, no turnovers, no rushing yards. He did well enough for what they needed him to do. Antonio Gibson did well. He ended up with 26 yards rushing and a touchdown off 15 carries. That's actually pretty bad, but you would like the numbers that he put up in the passing game, which was 6 of 7 for 39 yards. The next running back was Jarrett Patterson because of COVID. They didn't have the full lineup. Jarrett Patterson actually didn't do too bad either. He had four carries for 20 yards in the touchdown. And then after that, you've got Scary Terry, who was non-existent, who's basically not existed for most of the season now after besides a few big games. Uh, Greg Ward was the receiving target for Jalen Hurts, who got that one touchdown, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, fourth quarter. But yeah, it's a rather interesting spot here for Washington football. Now at six and seven, they're now equal with the Eagles, who I believe have a tiebreaker on them. There's a lot of issues that you can take with the uh, football team out of this but this loss doesn't really hang on them it was a rather iffy situation with the COVID problems but the inability to stop Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts from running the ball was essentially what cost them this game I mean when you look at Jalen Hurts's number he had 24 26 for 296 passing yards with a touchdown the intercept you can't really hang on him because it bounced off his foot and got caught by the Washington defense which was actually pretty funny to watch eight carries for 38 yards and two touchdowns so if you want to stop things like that they really need to focus on getting more mobile at the linebacker position because they need to be able to contain quarterbacks because their division actually has Jalen Hurts Dak Prescott can be mobile when he's not hurt and you have the Giants with Daniel Jones who can also get mobile too when he wants to but the thing is nobody knows if Daniel Jones is going to be staying in New York so that's the next question that needs to be answered there but Washington really needs to get a little bit more mobile on defense because they have to shut these mobile guys down but I'm not going to hang anything on them this week I'd say you can probably put the fork in them at this point I don't think they're going to be making the playoffs. I think the Eagles probably have a better shot than they do because they finally found their identity running the football again. But yeah, Washington football team, I'm not going to hang anything on this week, but you can definitely put the fork in them. Thanks for tuning in to the Coach's Corner this week, everybody. Remember to hit that like button, smash that noty button. Everything helps us here on this podcast. You don't have to pay anything. You can listen for free. That's all we ask for in return is if you hit that follow button and smash that noti bell, that helps our visibility out here on this podcast. Now, if you feel like keeping up with us on social media, remember to hit at the fade on Twitter. That's at the F4D3, as well as at Real the Fade, spelt the same way on Instagram, as well as at Real the Fade on TikTok. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. See you again next time.